got to work on my clap sync. Yeah, <laughs> not my problem. <laughs> so I guess we may as well just jump into it. Um, today we are going to be short one person. Brian, yep. as some of you he's may know. He's gone and had a baby. He's gone <laughs> and had a baby. Uh, yeah, I think it was it, it was Saturday or Sunday. Um, right. That um, I, I, Just judging by the Instagram post, uh, Lani gave birth. Uh, Zola is his name. And yeah. uh, we're obviously all super excited and, and happy for him, but he's being a dad, so he can't be here today. Super dad times for the next ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's so the next show after this one is going to be in two weeks. So I'm very interested to see whether we actually go ahead and do the show because, uh, I mean, you'll you'll appreciate Joe. Like for the next two months, it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be mayhem. <laughs> two is different than one kid. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. I don't know how anyone does three or more. Uh, so, so it's funny. I, I've heard some people say the third one is easier than the second one, which is easier than the first. So it's sort of the, the more right. you have, the better you become at it. But I guess from my experience, one is harder than two because there's two of them. So it's simple math. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess it get, once you have three, then you're, you need another parent. I think one one on one is well the possibility of one-on-one works pretty well i think as soon as you've got a third one and you're like how do you divvy up your time yeah that's it yeah we've i've got a buddy here in in hobart who's just one kid and he often says to me you guys are always on you know we can take a break my, me and my wife we can take the kid and share it but you're always on how do you do it so yeah with three it must be next level anyway anyway good luck to him yeah yeah, and hopefully we'll have him back on the show soon. So what we thought we'd do today is just have a chat about your workshop because I know a lot of people are interested in this. I was going back and looking okay. at the the, the, um, the numbers for the shows. Your yep. The one that we titled something about your workshop is our second best performing show behind the one titled um <laughs> imposter syndrome so okay clearly we have a lot oh, of well, they unco- go well together <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of unconfident people who want to hear about workshops listening to the show um but yes yeah, so I'm, I'm just really interested and it sounds like everyone else is interested to hear how that's all going slash gone yeah well maybe it's uh, just because it's been such a long running saga everyone's just trying to find out who killed mr burns um (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we're in today is the first day of actually working in the workshop you might be able to hear i'm not sure if you can hear there's a sando happening in the other room but Mm. we are kind of soundproofy to a point (gasps) sorry it's like as in a a palm sander yeah yeah all the sanders happening just just hear it so that's pretty good yeah i can't see it the microphone's not picking it up I don't think so it'll be interesting to see what happens mm. um, so you Robin can see behind me I'm in a kind of a steel frame shed and there's a piece of plywood somewhere there yeah where there should be a window so we're not actually finished because the people the great people who built my shed forgot after a year that there is a window in my workshop and it's somewhere on the planet being made um, so that's good so when they put the shed together do they yeah do they use full panels and cut the window out i would have assumed that would be part of the 
that that panel mm. would have it already pre-cut. Uh, well, it, it's essentially the cladding is just like um, corrugated iron mm. or thereabouts. And so as they're putting it up on the walls, they've already framed out where the window's going to go, and then they just kind of cut the piece out that goes where the window is. Yeah, um, right, okay. But, but is the framing in place? Yeah, it, it's all there. Um, yeah, right. And so there was a couple of issues with the flashing kit that came with it, but then also the window itself just didn't show up. So um, that's somewhere. But they've got right. uh, I don't know they've got two weeks, and then we're getting the final inspection to get this thing signed off, and so it's got to be done by then. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we've got air conditioning, and we've got uh, three-phase power on. Don't quite have the uh, solar panels on yet. Because right. there was some miscommunication, but anyway, we're getting there. Yeah. And um, just going back to the solar, because we did talk about it briefly. You're getting someone yep. to install it, right? Yeah. Yeah. With your shed, did you have to get make sure that the shed was solar panel ready or um, engineered yeah. to to take that? I did, and I didn't expect it to be any kind of a problem because I think, yeah, steel frame shed. It's got a, a lightweight roof steel roofing is considered lightweight but still everything and like it still weighs something the solar panels can't be that heavy and they're only about 20 kilos mm. maybe 20 kilos a panel or something like that um but i told the guys and they said oh well we're gonna have to re-engineer your whole roof so yeah they did that it ended up costing us about six grand more and it looks like all they did was put double essentially double trusses through the middle of the the building to just to take extra load um they didn't put any other purlins or anything that i could tell um so yeah it's what it is it cost me more money and i had to get an engineer to look at it so (laughs) because i I really want to put some solar panels at my place in townsville but the only bit i can is my lean to uh, deck because my my roof's Mm -hmm. um, asbestos uh, but I don't actually even know if that deck is on the plans, let uh, alone is it solar panel ready. So, yeah, I, I, I would assume I'm going to have to go to an engineer first. Or I'd need to go to I the don't. solar panel company. Yeah. They come out, have a look, say, yeah or nay. Yeah. Is mm. it, do you have any, the option of having a, like a ground array? You know, sometimes you yeah, see. I, I wouldn't do that. Not, Just, no, no. yard's too small. Okay. It would be a, a yeah. bit of an eyesore. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I often wonder, like sometimes I see it in rural areas and it's just like a whole paddock, mm. kind of like a solar farm on the ground. Um, mm. And then you can see it links up to a house or something. And you can mm. obviously get way more square meterage, but you mm. really need to be, you kind of need to be um, using all of that power. So Yeah, or at least I don't think it, it back, yeah. Because they seem to be really efficient these days. You seem to be able to get a lot out of a panel. So... Mm. Um, I don't think we're getting that much. I think maybe 12 panels or something. It's not, not that much. Yeah. Um, in terms of square meterage compared to what it, they say it's going to put out. Well, it's going to be interesting to see when they hook it up. Um, this, mm. I've got a buddy who's got a, a, a solar setup. He's only had it for about two years and he's forever, he's checking it. Oh, you know, how are we doing today? How are we doing this month? <laughs> month on month, how have we done? You know, you can see yeah. where it was sunnier because we've got more, we've had more solar power. So, it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much you can actually pull out of it. Yeah, I suspect the summer's going to be baking. So, um, mm-hmm. it'll be, I think it'll be really good this summer and 
probably not so good in winter, but yeah, still. See. Good. So you put up a, a video on Instagram, uh, yep. a week ago where you did, walked Something around. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. That door, that glass door, was that yeah, from? Perspex. Your... <laughs> oh, is it per... okay? Is that yeah. from your old shop? No, I just put it together. Um, we had some old when we renovated the house here. The those those boards uh, from the ceiling, kind of ceiling lining. It's like old Douglas fir, something like that. And we had to take a bunch out. And um, my dad, I wanted to just get rid of it because it looked awful. Mm. Uh, and my dad just kept it and kept it. He said, "Make your door out of it. Make your door out of it." So I just ran the belt sander over it, and because it had been in the kitchen, it was baked on with oil and grease and awful stuff. And then once I actually sanded it, I was like, "Oh, actually, it's actually quite nice." Yeah. So, um, and it was tongue and groove, and the groove is just big enough to take the sheet of perspex. So I just yeah, kind right. of made, I just made it hold the perspex and just screwed it together and chucked it on a barn door track, and that's awesome. So it's a really big. So for everyone who hasn't seen, it's a really big sliding door that you're using yeah. to separate your clean area from your your cuts That's right. yeah dust area yeah the any particular reason you went with perspex just wait uh i kind of wanted to see i didn't want it to feel like when you were working in the paint area that you were like locked away from everything um, oh I, I mean instead of glass oh well yeah dangerous <laughs> yeah i mean too hard i mean i would have cost a packet to get a piece of glass that big and I'd have to have it safety. Uh, it'd have to be safety glass or laminated, yeah. and it probably would have cost me seven and eight hundred dollars for a piece of glass, whereas that was like a hundred and eighty dollars for a piece yeah, of right. perspex. So, and it's I guess a full, almost a full sheet. You're not really worried about sound with that division, because I'm just thinking because the sound the no. sound um, properties of glass would surely be better than perspex. Yeah, that's not an issue really. It's just just to block off some dust and. To be honest, we have a, an extractor fan in that clean room. Um, so when we're spraying, we only spray water-based stuff. So it's just to try and get rid of some of the overspray. We've got a fan in there uh, venting outside, but it draws quite a lot of air. So you have to have some air coming into the room so mm -hmm. air can then be sucked out of the room. Um, and so the, the barn doors are quite good because they're kind of gappy all the way mm -hmm. around. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just enough to let air come in. Um, typically in the workshop, because we've got extraction on everything, there's not dust just floating around everywhere. It's not a dust bomb. So I'm not too worried about dust being pulled through into the, the paint room. Um, we'll see. But in, our, in my last workshop, it was far more rudimentary and we never had any issues with dust landing on stuff. So Yeah, well, you think, I'd say majority of workshop, well, certainly... Um, uh, backyard workshops there's no such thing as separation and you know that's we, right we can still get good finishes yeah um yeah well that's I, I firstly didn't realize that you had just quickly thrown it together i assumed it was a like a, a, right. a job that you had done not no not, not that you'd take it seriously but something that you'd really put a lot of time and effort into and i didn't realize that it was perspex so that if my first thought was that's way too nice to be in a workshop <laughs> yeah well that's cool it does look cool and and of course the thing with uh perspex is that it is when you pull the plastic film off it it just becomes instantly static and mm. um already like within a half a day there's like this nice film of dust that's just clung yeah. to the yeah to the plastic so 
you know, it's never going to be as clean as it was in that video. But um, while we're mentioning mentioning that paint room and spraying, so we've got pretty big into using airless sprayers for finishing our our, um, our work, and we've been spraying. I think I've always used resin paint, uh, lustacryl they call it, which is a, a waterborne enamel. And the only problem is if you're spraying that paint uh, on a vertical surface, it it just no matter what you do, it just decides to sag after about ten minutes. Oh, right. This big run that slops down. Um, if you're spraying horizontal on flat things like doors and cabinet doors it's perfectly fine but they've just come out resin have come out with a spray grade lustacryl um and it's comes in 10 liter buckets as well as four which is awesome for bigger jobs um but it does not run like you, you i just we sprayed just before we moved to this workshop i sprayed some giant barn doors for a job and we sprayed them vertically so we could do them both sides at the same time and this stuff is, is so good you can just keep putting paint on and it does not want to drip and sag on you so i wonder how they do that because that's counterintuitive because spraying's got to be watered down it's got to be very no not this stuff viscous. just out of the out of the can yeah these these um, airless sprays that you're talking about are they are they the ones where you have a little reservoir that screws in underneath and then you've got the handheld gun was it a, nope. a bigger version so you, you have a handheld gun and I've got the most baby version of the sprayer. It's like the bottom tier. Um, so you have a gun, but it has a hose that goes from the gun to the, the sprayer. And you put the, a hose into the paint bucket itself. And it just mm. sucks the paint up and shoots it out. And so there's no compressor, no compressor or anything. It has a motor which turns over. But even compared to an HVLP system, which sounds like a vacuum vacuum cleaner running it's so quiet it just runs every now and then when you pull the trigger and the more you pull the trigger the more the pump has to keep the pressure up but yeah. it's just pressurizing the paint in the hose and then squirts out the nozzle i saw that for the i mean obviously that should have been around for a while but i saw it for the first time in a, in a johnny brooks video and right the other thing that struck me was one of the, the benefits is with those ones where you've got that reservoir underneath moving the, that amount of paint you always you've got paint you know coming out everywhere you've got a bucket yep. that now heavy. Ha has paint that's it's heavy yep. so that just eliminates so much everything mess. yeah the only the only downside there's the one downside is that the, the because of the psi going through the hose it's quite um the hose is quite thick and it doesn't really want to flex where you want it to flex so you're kind of you're always struggling with the hose a little bit to get it right where you want um that doesn't matter so much because those machines are designed for like painting houses and stuff it doesn't really matter but when you're doing smaller pieces you need a bit more flexibility but it's not a massive issue mm. um cleaning up is pretty easy like I, when i first saw it i thought oh my god you've got to clean this whole hose out that's got paint in it but you run one and a half buckets of water through this thing and they, they're clean. It's actually very simple um, yeah. and so quick. And in terms of price, that's, I mean, is that something that a, a DIYer would have in their arsenal or is it a bit too expensive for that? 
there's there there's a bunch of ranges and so i think bunnings have got the wagner versions yeah and they started about 900 i mean you can get ones that for probably three or four hundred but they start they're getting pretty dicey down at that yeah that range from about a grand you can get something that's going to do like you paint your house fine yeah. um my one cost two grand and then from there price just kind of keeps going up i talked to a painter couple of weeks back on a job site and his one a commercial one was eight grand uh, but it had like a computer on it and everything and it tells you when it needs to be cleaned and it does all this and that and that's for all day everyday use and you just don't need something that big mm. um, and there's obviously pros to spending more money on some of these machines they do different things but typically all we need to do is put paint on a panel um, and that's about it because the other thing then is going to be that the nozzle now i've got one of those wagners uh with the the reservoir well i had one i sold it um and it was great i would have no problem doing my house i'd have no problem doing my fence don't know if i'd feel comfortable putting some varnish or something like that on because the that that nozzle just as you say too big it's putting paint out that's all it's doing so there's a range of nozzle sizes um and I've got the smallest one, which is a 310. And that is really good for putting on paints. Um, it's best for clear coat, the 310. I mean, that's a very small orifice, that, that, that number. <sighs> now, now you maybe go back to school, um, yes. <laughs> I think. So for a 310, I think what the three part of it means is it references the width of the fan. And so you take the three and double it, which is six. And it's going to give you a six inch fan. Okay. Seems logical. And then, and then the 12 part is the size of the orifice, which I believe means it's either 0.12 of a mil or 1.2 mil, something like that. Um, and then, so generally those sprayers come with a five, 520 or five. It's a really big orifice and it's like for like painting your fence you just want mm. lots of paint to go out on and hit the rough saw and stuff yeah. you don't want to you don't want to spray anything delicate with that mm. it's just going to be dripping in paint yeah um, and it's just a matter of talking to whoever you buy it from and what you want to do mm. um and th- they seem to have it covered you know they, they have nozzles for all different types of stuff it's just mm. a, a, a crazy aside because like, we talked about the the spray room and um i thought I'd mention that spray grade paint because if anyone's using those sprayers, um, that spray grade stuff is just completely different. It's awesome. And presumably, if Resine is coming out with a version, any brand you're using out there will probably have a version now. Possibly. I have been told that the spray grade version is for trade only. Okay. And I don't know how they... I mean, it seems weird if someone asks for it. If they just say, oh, you can't have it if you don't have an account. But <laughs> Show some, me your floor jumper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where are your work boots? Yeah. Um, but so I've got, I don't even have a full account with Rosine. I've got a cash account, which means I just get a discount, but I have to pay then and there. Mm. Um, and they didn't even ask the question. They just said, yeah, sure. Mm. How much do you want? So, and as they yeah. become more popular technologies and more and more people I are using so. them in their 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 workshop then yeah Uh, talking about the door i want to tackle a barn door when i get back to townsville but a yes three maybe 3.2 meter tall barn door yeah 
do you think that's going to be an issue from movement wood movement is that door going to eventually warp or can can you do it i guess or should you do it is sky is the limit i did some three and a half meter tall ones and they turned into bananas mm. but that was because the client was very specific about how they wanted what they wanted the door to be made out of yeah. and you know sometimes warnings aren't heated so couldn't really do anything about it mm. luckily one of them bowed away from the wall and one of them bowed towards the wall so one of them was binding and the other one wasn't so mm. um i would just uh well yeah how much 3.2 yeah probably about 3.2 at the max how wide uh 900 so it's a single okay it's it's going to be a funny looking door but i just thought it could be a nice uh a nice piece so i i, I don't want it to be painted i want it to be um yeah timber timber but uh presumably that the, the timber you use the grain how straight the grain is going to be huge but is there construction techniques that you have to keep in mind when you're building one on that size or does it just come down I to the guess, wood but it- it really comes down to the style of the door, I think. I think the ones that start to cause issues are when people want like a flat door that's like V-grooved or something like that, which we happened, we just did a bunch of paint grade ones. And um, so for paint grade, we just used a lightweight poplar plywood core and then skinned it with MDF, cut some Vs in it, painted it. Mm. And it's going to stay pretty flat and that's pretty light. Even even then, they're still pretty heavy because it's a lot of material. Yeah. Um, but as soon as you start going into the three meter range, you do have to consider. I think it's really just species and timber straightness, um, like grain straightness. Like you could get if you used like Vic Ash, because typically Vic Ash is quarter sawn, mm. uh, what is here, um, that would probably stay pretty bloody straight over that length. And if you had like a frame. And then filled the, some panels in in that, um, it'll probably be fine. That was pretty much the style I was thinking of. Was a traditional, yeah. um, you know, red style. Door, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I've just seen I've seen door builders in the past where people make the 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 uh, styles up with multiple pieces and then glue yeah. them together. Okay. To, which I would assume yeah. is in in. You uh, could do it that way. To, yeah. They veneer them, yeah. That's one way to do it. I've, I've not done it. Um, yeah, that, that didn't cross my mind. That is a, a way to do it. There's a lot of more labor involved. Mm. The good thing is that there's a couple of benefits for that because you can use cheaper timber and like essentially make a glue laminated stock, which isn't going to move. You're essentially making big plywood. And then you're veneering it with expensive stuff, but not using much of it because it's veneer. Mm. Um, and so you can get a really expensive look for not quite so much cost. But mm. there is a lot more labor involved still. Um, but that would be a way to go. You could you could make up a blank out of like Vic Ash, for example. Yeah. Quarter sawn, glue lamps and bits together. Um, and then typically I think they veneer it all before they do the joinery. And then... Yeah, right. Yeah, and then put it together. Um, mm. Depends how fancy you want it to look. Yeah, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cross that bridge, obviously, when I get back. But it's... Um, yeah, it was just something I was thinking about, whether it's... The, the, spa- <laughs> the space is an entryway 
into a bathroom area. So you walk through that door and then you get into this small 900 by mm -hmm. 900 kind of foyer, which goes into right. the toilet and then to the right goes into the bathroom. But now that foyer is open to the kitchen, right? which is it's yeah. a bit shitty. It's, it's a bit, yeah. It's the way they made the houses back then. So I want to put a big door there. Now, when, when I renovated my house and, and made it open plan, that foyer had a, had a wall that was was it was an opening and the opening was two meters 2.1 what a normal door height would be and i pushed it all the way up to just about the ceiling yeah, right. we've got these crazy high ceilings so my option yep. is to bring that wall back down and then i would yeah. have a normal door normal barn door which would be 2.1 2.2 meters but i really want to keep that height because then it would be a nice piece the barn door would be a because that you'll see that barn door in the kitchen so it'll be a nice statement piece um, but if it's that's why I was just wondering if it was something that could be done or it's just a really bad idea. Yeah, I'd, I'd go for it. I don't think it's a bad idea. I think you just need to be, just consider what happens. I think the benefit for you is that you understand wood and you understand that one design has pros and cons depending on things like size. And so if you just modify your expectations and your design to suit what can actually be built there, mm. it's a bit different. If a client says to you, I just want this because that's how it has to look. And you kind of say, well, look, you're pushing the boundaries of what may or may not happen. Um, yeah. As long as you understand that this all might turn to bananas, then let's go for it. Yeah. So, but yeah, you can only be as careful as you can be. I mean, at the worst case, what you could do is use you know those kind of steel strongbacks that people sometimes put into yeah, underneath right. tables mm. um you could do something like that if you were worried about it warping particularly at that height you're going to have a lot of hot air at, at, up by the ceiling and mm. so your door will be almost always hotter at the top than the bottom mm. um it may be worth considering putting a, a steel like t-section down the back of the styles and um it might hold it straighter i don't know if it's worth the effort or you could even put like angle iron down the corner of the down the edge of the door mm, i hadn't thought of that it would be a design feature almost i had thought about the strong backs as you call them i had thought about mm. running those but yeah if you put the wrap the corners in them then it just becomes a, yeah. a design Hmm, that's a good you idea. You have like an industrial modern type edge to your door, which could be interesting. Yeah. Anyway, back to yeah. back to the workshop. So you <laughs> posted, a, just before the show, I saw a post that you've um, oh, yeah. uh, actually got your first project going. How did the how did the move go? So you're, you're all in? We're all in. All I've got to do is go back to the old place and do a final sweep up, mm -hmm. um, which is good. It's good to be out of there. Um, yeah, the move was, uh, it could have been way worse because <laughs> that's a way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Well, because the workshop is where I live now, every night I'd just put something in the van and bring it home. Yeah. Uh, and so by the time it came to renting the truck for the day, all that was really left was a couple of benches, um, and the big machines. And we had four of us and rented the the worst truck you've ever driven in your life <laughs> and i only had to drive like 250 k's for the day but anyway um worse in what way yeah we managed 
Yeah? Worse in what way? Oh, the track was just undrivable. Like, oh, the seat okay. was barely bolted in. It didn't go <laughs> fast. Like, there's no suspension, you know, all the fun stuff. Yeah. But it was a big truck and it carried what we had to. Um, Did it have a lift at the back? Yeah. Mm. That specifically had a, a tail lift, which only barely lifted the, my press and the table saw. Yeah, because uh, yours would be pushing it. Hey, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as we lifted or tried to lift at the bottom, you know, the truck starts going closer to the ground and, and the saw doesn't start coming up. I'm like, oh shit. Well, I'm trying to remember um, what the, what the weight rating was on those. I've got a ton in well, my head, but it couldn't have been Well, a this one is a, it's a kind of a shitty older version. And, um, I rang when I, when I rented the truck, I asked the guys, I said, oh, look, my, the manual for my saw says it's about 600 kilos which actually I lied, it was more like 750, but I didn't want to push it too much. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> and they said, oh, that's right on the limit. I don't know if it will handle it. I was like, oh, yeah, it should be right. Um, and it did just handle it, so. Um, yeah, sure. But, oh, God. I had to end up taking the whole slider off. I didn't want to take the whole sliding mechanism off my saw because it's all set up. Mm. But we couldn't get it in the truck without taking the slider off the, the main body of the saw, so... Um, so I spent one, one of those big morning. one of those big moving vans. Yeah, well, because it's three meters long, the, the the whole sliding mechanism is three meters long, and we can only lift it from the center where the main. Oh um, yeah, right. Of course. Part of the and so you can't just kind of, you know, uh, pallet jacks don't really work like that. You, so mm. it was just easier. So I just said, "Stuff it. Give me the spanners. Let's take it off." And I spent yesterday morning pain in the ass. putting it back together. And I think it's cutting square again. So oh, that just, that just <laughs> that gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like when you have a saw like that set up, <laughs> so many bits involved and you've just got to... I know. Now you're going to spend the next two months wondering if you're a square. And every time you go back for a cut, was it square from the last one? Yeah. Yes. So anyway, I think that's good to go. Mm. Um, oh. So... so so you took what was that? one day to do all the big tools? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And then we spent probably over the course of three days setting up workbenches, putting shelves on the wall and, you know, make kind of working out where stuff would actually live. Um, in that video that was on Instagram, there was, uh, I've got a new big rack for uh, my, my panel goods. It's like a blue and green rack um, that you might see in a warehousing situation. Um, that was in the middle of the room because as a bit of a divider but after putting everything in place we all agreed that it was not in the right place so we had to dismantle that shift it to the other end of the saw and set that back up what it does mean though once the once our flat like plywood goods are on the shelf we can just slide them right off the shelf right onto the sliding uh, table saw um, which means we essentially don't have to we don't have to lift them which is awesome so that's a bit of a bonus. So, and those those um, sheet goods is that sort of sixteen mil ply that you would use for kitchen. So yeah, you just in yeah, and kitchen out of it. carcasses and okay. stuff. Um, and as much as I would rather not be building that kind of thing, that seems to be the work that's coming in, and it's good money. So bills don't pay I'll keep themselves. taking them on. Mm. Um, and and then in terms of the so that's your so your your cut area all taken care of 
your clean room is that set up yeah pretty much like i said i've got a fan yeah. extraction fan set in there and we've got we bought the racking system i had from the old workshop we bought the racks that were there and put some and a few added a few extra ones so we've got like 50 shelves for racking but they're a bit old and crummy i'll have to upgrade them at some point because mm. they're not the best use of space but they're, they're they are shelves so okay. we will um we'll live with them for a little while longer um and then the office is just yeah, that window um, that's the last thing yeah just need a window and i've stored uh you can't see just to the left of me i, I need to put a little kitchenette area in mm. um so this room is about i don't know three or four meters square which is a decent size room. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of a kitchenette, and uh, I've got some room to put some pieces of furniture and stuff like that in. Um, and so I'm all set up. I've actually got a class booked for the 18th, so I've got like two weeks. Oh, cool. And I've got I've got a class here already, so that'd be interesting. I haven't done a class in ages. Um, with the with it being on your property now. Does does is a different story from a liability perspective? <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Know. Don't ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, who's asking questions? Like, yeah. I guess I didn't even think, to be honest, about doing a, a bit of a safety run through. But obviously, I'll have to do something like that. Mm. Uh, if you have a noob come into the workshop, you need to um, run through some things. But yeah, um, this particular guy just wants to build his own kitchen, and he lives way out. At, in the middle of nowhere and so he said can i come and learn the basics of how to build some cabinets and the do's and don'ts and then i'll go back and try and make my own kitchen so mm. that'll be interesting and the lighting's all good it's all sufficient yes yeah i think we're i think we made some pretty good choices on the lights i'm happy with the the color um we could do with maybe one more light above the workbenches but we're going to add some wall lighting mm. as well all LED? Um, yeah, all LED. And uh, yeah, mint. The air conditioner is struggling at the moment because it's just baking down. But how long has it been running? <laughs> how long has it been running for now, the AC? Because I'm just thinking about the dust concern that you had. We've only had it on this. Today's the first full day we've had the aircon on since eight o'clock. Right, okay. Um, because it was really nice and cool this morning, and I thought if I get the air gone on early and to try and keep it cool, mm. but after about eleven o'clock, the sun kind of takes over and um, starts heating up. Yeah, because I guess being a tin shed, it's just it just radiates. Yeah. I actually, I, I forgot. I actually did pay extra for um, a heat reflective uh, building paper, roofing paper. Mm. So the top side's foil and underneath is white. Um, there's no way to tell if it's helping, but I yeah. hope it's doing something. <laughs> when I put uh, the uh, uh, bats, the wool, rock wool stuff, I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, earth wool, that's yeah. the one. Insulation, yeah. Um, when I posted about it on Instagram, everyone said to me, oh, you're going to notice it's going to be make such a difference. It's going to be such a big difference. You know, the problem is because the temperatures vary so much and the way I installed it was in pieces, I'm still to this right. day not actually sure if it made a difference. It's really right. hard to tell um, how much of a difference it actually made. Because it's funny, the the reflective, that um, sarking, they call it. Mm-hmm. Everyone said, put that in. That is 
that is one of the biggest for for the, the Queensland climate. It's one of the biggest right. improvements you can make because it's all about reflective heat. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, insulation. So we, I was originally going to have my dust collection in the main workshop, but it just was noisy and whatever. So we ended up making a small shed outside. It's mm. like three meters, three meters by like one and a half meter shed. Um, and we've got my dust extractor out there and we decided to put the um, air compressor out there. Mm-hmm. And both of them are kind of noisy. And um, so I decided I would try, I went and bought some full sheets of polystyrene, like uh, 2.4 okay. by 1.2 sheets, the 50 mil thick. That's like $40 a sheet or something. Um, and I cut them really tight, cut it all and put it all lined the whole inside of the um, that little shed. And it has dramatically changed how noisy, especially the air compressor is. I mean, it's taken it down to almost not, not even really a noise to worry about. Um, so it's interesting. I didn't realize how effective polystyrene was i mean I if didn't. you really wanted to you could you could double it up and it would be almost completely silent i mean i didn't realize um, polystyrene worked on audio i've always heard it's about yeah. density so if you'd lined it with um cement fiber cement sheet that mm. um there's a i've seen guys use there's a product it's like um uh, jip rock or or jib yeah but it's made with yeah. sand so you put okay. that on your ceilings again it's all about that density right. Well, see, polystyrene has some density to it, certainly more density than nothing. Mm. So if you compare it with nothing, it's going to be thicker. But also, I think polystyrene has a softer surface, and I don't think it's as reflective audibly as, say, something like uh, a solid solid plywood or plasterboard mm. sheet would be. It doesn't reflect the sound back as much. I think it might absorb more. Yeah. So because it's kind of got all those little dimples all over it, maybe that's what's doing it more but mm. i was surprised how well it worked you know it only took me a couple of hours to to line it out and it, it has done a lot for the noise around here so that's pretty cool so now with so you've you've uh, presumably punched a hole through the wall for, yeah. for a hundred, six inch or 100 mil pipe to yep. come through how do you turn you just have it on a remote well we used to have it so when you opened a gate there was a switch on the gate okay. which re- relayed back but now the way we have the air can uh, the the extractor set up everything kind of is just comes off one big trunk that comes into the the main room and everything is coming right from one place we essentially only have one gate that we need to or maybe two gates um so we just have hardwired the extractor on and the main power switch is on the inside of the workshop. Right. And so we just turn the three phase on and off, and that's how we turn the turn the extractor on. Yeah. Okay. Because um, typically we turn it on, and then it's on for three hours or something, and then you turn it off. So. And then it's it, not like it's on and off all day. Yeah, yeah. And then it's still going into a bag in the extractor. Yeah, we've got two big. Our one's my one takes two like. 250 liter bags Mm. Um, I've often thought about because I've thought about putting mine outside as well if you were to run your extractor but just you don't filter it at all so you suck it out (laughs) and you put a pipe sort of facing the ground 
yeah. and you put a, a gigantic pile. You, you put a box around it so it doesn't fly away, and you just have a pile there. And then you come along with a with yeah, a you could spade do and, and get rid of it like that. You could do that. I don't think. I mean, you'd have to kind of modify the the whole machine a little bit because you don't really want. Yeah, you know, the way the certainly my machine is set up, you wouldn't want it just to fall right underneath where it is. But mm. I think uh, Frank Howarth has essentially done that, where his extractor just goes into like a cupboard in the corner. Yeah, and but, then he, but he's still doing his he filtering. He's still filtering in the workshop. So that's what I mean. So just to get yeah, right. rid of the filtering, all you've got is a giant extractor. It just extracts everything out. Yeah, and dumps it I outside. Actually, that's a good point. Like, because I've still got like those cartridge filters they call it you know with the mm. the, the zigzaggy filters pleats. um yeah the pleats um and i cleaned them out really well when we shifted which mm. was crazy how much stuff yeah. came out of them um but yeah thinking about it I, because it's not like we're in that little shed working for any length of time it doesn't need to be filtered it, we could just vent it out um your, outside your your pump I, and I could be wrong here, but your pump would be under less load because it's not yeah. having to push the air through those pleats. I think you're right. And it probably would be quieter still mm. because it's not, it's not, um, what are they called? Not laboring to, to work, to, to suck the air and to push it back out through the pleats. Yeah. That'd be an interesting experiment to take the, take the filters off and just see what happens. And if you, <laughs> if, I mean, if you had a big enough property, you wouldn't even have to worry about managing the dust. The dust could just, sort of floats away yeah. out the back of the shop because if you well, neighbors are far away. Well, we're on we're on five acres i mean yeah, the right. nearest neighbor is about 400 meters um we can see them but they're 400 meters away i doubt that would be a problem mm. um maybe it might be a problem if it blows up onto the washing line that could be a bit of a <laughs> maybe slap on the wrist it. yeah <laughs> yeah well that's cool that's um i, I the last time we talked, you said you reckon it was going to take you a week to move in and you were a bit apprehensive about it. So pretty much took a week and it was easy. Yeah. I think there's a point when you shift, like I've shifted so many times my houses growing up and there's always a point where at one, like your old place still feels like your place, still feels like your place. And then suddenly one, like you take one thing. And for me, it was taking my workbench. Once my workbench shifted to the new place, I was like, oh, I'm over the hump. Yeah. Now that's my, now that's the place, and this is the old place. And it was just a matter of cleaning up. It's, it's a weird mental kind of hurdle where all of a sudden you've, you have, you just say, right, that's it. I'm taking this thing, and now it, we're doing it. Yeah. And it's a strange feeling to, to just go push yourself through it and do it. Yeah. Um, now that's just a room. Now, that's just a workshop. Yeah. That's all it is. There's no, yeah. There's no attachment. It's mm. just a. And, and I, in fact, I couldn't get out of, out of there fast enough, really. As yeah. soon as we, we got it empty, I was just like, God, I hate this place. <laughs> Let's get out of here. So. so how close are you to the house from the shop? Um, uh, what, we had, we had to put uh, 35 meters of uh, power cable in, mm. so about 35 meters. And are you, because you, you originally worked from home and then you moved to this workshop that was off-site, right? Yeah. Yeah. Are you happy to be back next to the house yeah it's so surreal i was just saying to my wife it's it's um after talking about doing this for so bloody long mm. and then now i just have to meander down the path and i'm at work it's crazy to to be in this situation it's very um very reward, rewarding after 
working to get to here for forever. Mm. So I'm super pleased that I did it. And I wish everybody could have the experience of not having to sit in traffic. Kids must be stoked. Dad's home. Yeah. All the time. You know, you can imagine what it's like. Go up to get a cup of tea. Or yeah. At the moment, I don't. I can't make a cup of tea. So I go up to the house. And, oh, Dad, can you play, play yeah. with me just for 10 minutes? And it's like, yeah, not really, but all right. Yeah. Oh, but that's such a oh, beautiful a, thing, though. Like, they yeah. all love that in years to come. Yes, I think so. Cool. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to bring up? I did want to talk about a job, but maybe we should save it for and get Brian's input. We're kind of running out of season here, but we can because next, we next week we might be well next show we might be getting a an international guest which is exciting ah yes and then the week after or the the fortnight after that we're going to be doing our final show which is going to be a live stream we'll just give a quick plug for it now so that would be the 30th of november um i did that poll on instagram to see who was interesting it was it was way more 50 50 than i thought it was going to be Oh, so oh, <laughs> I, I don't know how it, it wasn't a whole lot of people that um, uh, responded. Okay. So I don't know how uh, uh, indicative it is of our entire audience. But we'll, right. you know, I just think we it's uh, it was enough to say let's go for it. So that'll be on the thirtieth of November around twelve p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. And then that's pretty much it for the episode. So right. maybe we can discuss it with our guest next week. Well. I tell you what, why don't I talk about it now? Maybe people can message us uh, or message mm. uh, the Shop School Podcast on Instagram and maybe give some their two cents. So I'll quickly describe what I have to do and then everyone else listening can tell me how to do my job. I have to build a TV kind of wall unit, which is a standard kind of thing. TV in the middle, some shelving. And in this case, the client wants specifically for... so. It's going to be painted, painted top shelving, painted below, but the top, kind of the bench top part of it is going to be, um, she wants oak and she wants it to be live edge, like a live edge slab. Okay. So I cannot get live edge slabs of oak. It's not how it comes into the country. It comes in sawn boards. So I said to her, it's possible that we could glue up a big hunk of oak and we can cut the edge and kind of grind it away and make Oof. it look wavy and interesting um, kind of fake fake live edge um and we're going to be using a grade of timber which is all knotty so she said she was happy to have knots and fill them with epoxy she wants it to look like it's a big old hunk of of oak so obviously the best option would be to have a slab and cut it well we so that's out of the equation unless somebody has got a whole tree of oak kicking around in New Zealand. I doubt they have. And, um, and when you say oak, I mean, there's lots of oaks. Is this, does she want American uh, white oak? Yeah, American white oak. Because yeah. that's what the flooring is. And she wants it yeah, to match, okay. but she wants it to have live edge. Um, so my question really is, I have seen it done before, uh, uh, um, kind of a man-made live edge. And it looks, it looks reasonable. It's, it's a thing. Should I bother trying to like bleach the edge of it and make it look like the sappy wood on the edge of a slab? 
I mean, how how far do I do I take it to really like get arty arty with it, or should I just kind of like draw some wavy lines and band, uh, jigsaw it out, and then take a grinder to it and kind of mm. put bevels and undercuts? I don't know how far or if there's a technique anyone has had if they've had to try and do this thing before if there's a you know a way that's worked and a way that hasn't worked obviously it needs to look half decent but everyone is of the understanding that it's not a real live edge but it would be good if it looked that way so that's a really interesting one I'm sure there must be people who've tried this yeah it has to be there must be like I say I've seen it in a shop on some walnut on a, on a table and yeah. I was like ha that's not a real live edge but um, you know do I just notice it because I know what it looks like or what yeah because that's really your as it's interesting you mentioned the bleaching because that was the first thing that I thought was mm. there's without the the sapwood you, you the illusion's yeah. gone so yeah. that's maybe I should because like because uh, usually you know the sap sappy part might be an inch or so thick down the edge and if you somehow kind of mask it off and and actually bleached it and changed the color mm. of the timber um would would that help in, in trying to make make it appear more realistic or if someone knows if someone has done it let me know give any of us a a, a, a message and mm. and let me know if i'm just going down about it the wrong way what if you what if you got a different timber and you mm-hmm. routed you got a curved pattern oh, so you routed yeah. and then glued the front on some some blonde like kind of timber pine or something or maybe not pine but yeah because it because your sap- well, ash is very blonde mm. and it has a very similar grain structure because your sapwood and line just is carve most of it away. That's yeah. a, that's a hard line where it changes from hardwood to sapwood. Typically, so it's not yeah. Yeah. Huh. And it wouldn't have to be all the way along. It's not like you get a perfect sap edge on boards. It runs off and True. stuff, you know. Mm. Um, so that would be an interesting. You know, if someone's got some idea of how I might go about it, that would be nice. Out of interest, what do you think importing that slab would cost, or is that way out? <laughs> Is that way off? Oh, budget? I have no idea. I would say at least five grand. I mean, the okay. slab itself is probably five grand. And you see what these, the prices mm. these American guys are paying for this stuff. It's probably more like 10 grand. Mm. Give Macrimona a call. I'm sure he's got some lying in his in I'm his sure it does. <laughs> in his gigantic new shed that he's building. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, well, interested to hear what people have to say. That, um, yep. that would make for a very interesting video. Yes, I probably would. I should do that. Yeah. Maybe I'll even make a video of that one. Well, cool. All right. Well, this very short episode turned into a an average-sized uh, episode. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's cool. Um, yeah. All right. Well, um, just once again, obviously, big congratulations to Brian and Lani on Zola, yes. number two. Really excited. Uh, looking forward to having him on the show hopefully the next episode obviously we're gonna to have to play this by ear but uh we will have a guest on as well if all goes to plan and uh book your calendars for the 30th of november at 12 p.m australian eastern standard time we'll do a live stream on instagram so if you want to come along and be involved in the chat uh we'll make it a thing we'll make it a big one we will do a thing yep cool all right everyone take care all right see ya see ya bye you know what i just remembered as well This is the 100th episode. We completely didn't...
We didn't even mention it. 